sound effects, check. Movies, check. Listeners, not check. <laughs> is on the air you maniacs my name is darian it's another solo show it's just me again kids i'm sorry apparently i have an abrasive personality and thus i cannot keep co-hosts for more than a couple of years which is actually a pretty solid run if you ask me it's just me this week kids uh monica has not been cleared to travel after her back surgery so she is trapped unceremoniously in carson city buddy has a cold i think or so he says, he may be off filming some adult entertainment. I don't know what he's doing, but he is definitely not here. So it's just me again, and I apologize for that. I've got a confession to make. <clears throat> I did a shot of Everclear right before I walked into this room. And while it hasn't exactly hit me yet, I can still taste it, and it's like lingering in the back of my tonsils. And it's, it's bad, man. Why did I do that? Why, what is the point of Everclear to begin with? It's a terrible thing. It's like, uh, it's like hobo booze, right? It's, uh, it's, it's more of a disinfectant, really, is what it is. You could degrease an engine with that shit, or you could clean a septic wound. I'm over here doing shots of it by myself, like the, the loser that I am, uh, doing a podcast by myself, drinking by myself, all-around loser. <laughs> Speaking of losers, I got some movies to talk to you about. I got horror news, listener mail, the whole shit. I'm going to do it anyway, kids. Uh, yeah, let's just jump right in, shall we? Shall we just jump right into this fucking thing? Let's do it. It's probably going to be a short show. I apologize up front for that. But uh, it's just me. I've got next to zero listener mail. And some really bad movies to talk about that I would just as soon uh, forget completely. Actually, one of them wasn't that bad, but the other one, Jesus fucking Christ, what was I thinking? Okay, here we go. Uh, Let's kick it off with the uh, horror news. (laughs) Horror news. Yeah, I got horror news. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready for Don't Breathe Part 2? You lo- you saw the first one. I know you did. You probably loved it. I know I did. Stephen Lang, uh, the chick from the Evil Dead uh, remake, reboot, whatever it was. Um, Don't Breathe Part 2 is going to be released this August. 
to theaters and VOD, probably going to a streaming service of which has yet to be determined. So can't wait for that. There's some images up of Stephen Lang as the blind man. That dude is shredded. I hope I look half as good as he does. What is he, in his 60s, I think? He could kick my ass easily. Did you see VFW? He punched uh, Sensei Kreese right in the face. (laughs) I think he broke his nose, for fuck's sake. I love it. I love Stephen Lang. If I was uh, fluid or bi or some other, not full-on gay, if I was full-on gay, I feel like I'd want somebody more feminine, but... If I was into dudes, whatever that is equal to, I would probably go go that direction with Stephen Lang. I feel like he could uh, uh, handle some thugs in a dark alley and protect protect me should we encounter such a thing. Anyway, uh, Susan Romero, wife, uh, I guess widow, of the late, great George Romero, has been uh, shopping his final screenplay around and is now talking to directors they we might actually get a twilight of the dead movie i wish i could tell you i was excited for this sadly i am not because i saw survival of the dead and i saw a diary of the the dead and they both ate a bag of dicks so those were the 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 two movies leading into twilight of the dead i failed to see how that one would be any better I hope it is. I really do. I, I've told this story before on the podcast here, kids. I was a George Romero guy. He was my, my go-to. If you ask me who the best horror film director of all time was, I would say George Romero. And if you disagreed with me, it would be a fist fight. Until I saw Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead pissed me off to... Like, it, it dropped him from the number one... Maybe still in my top 10. Maybe. That's how bad Diary... I know you've seen it. Uh, there's a lot of George Romero apologists out there that will tell you, oh, you know, he was he was out of his game and he was trying to do something. What no, I don't care. I don't care if he was out. No. you don't. Then you don't make that fucking movie, George. Regardless, Survival of the Dead, nominally better. Not much better than Diary of the Dead. I, I, I wouldn't have high hopes. For a Twilight of the Dead, uh, m- m- myself. Granted, we don't know who might direct this thing. If somebody we know and love gets behind it, maybe like a Fidi Alvarez or a uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess Rob Zombie's out of the question, right? <laughs> that would probably be the coolest thing ever, though. Um, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not too excited for it myself, and I feel like uh, if it sucks, which it, there's a good chance that it will, then it's really just going to further besmirch the good name of George Romero. And it's it. Ah, God damn, those fucking movies were bad. Those last two, I I hate to think about. I don't. I I like to pretend that they never happened myself. Love Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, amazing. I have a soft spot for Land of the Dead. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, what else? You got Bruiser. Didn't make a lot of sense, but who cares? Um, what? Uh, uh, Creep Show, for fuck's sake. Uh, Creep Show 2, I think he was an executive producer on. Um, what else you got out there? That weird uh, Night Riders, Night R- the motorcycle movie. That was nuts. <laughs> other, other movies out there. Uh, Martin. 
for um oh uh see uh what is it season of the witch i think uh there's there's good there's great movies out there early in his career and it's hard to remember them when diary of the dead and survival of the dead should also be part of that conversation and they are so bad i'm sorry i'm going off on a tangent uh hp loves hp lovecraft's the deep ones it's a movie coming out and it is releasing to uh dvd and vod june 15th now i saw the trailers they're up on bloody disgusting if you want to check it out it's eight it's called hp lovecraft's the deep ones you can also find the trailers on youtube it looks interesting from what i gather it's uh, a young couple moves into a sleepy seaside community uh they get pregnant and there is a possibility of her giving birth to some kind of a tentacled individual and there's also a cult involved um they may have given a little too much away in the trailer now that i think about it because i've i I mean i kind of feel like i know where this is going already but it looks interesting and i'm definitely going to check it out i'm an hp lovecraft kind of a dude um it's something it looks like something it definitely (laughs) i realize that doesn't make any sense but it definitely looks like a thing that i might be interested in uh i got like a beach house kind of a vibe but with a lot more sexy time so there's that what else we got here we have i don't know how i feel about this one legendary pictures they're making a toxic avenger remake Okay, now I know most of you have already tuned out, as you should, uh, but let me tell you about the cast of this Toxic Avenger remake. We have Macon Blair, okay, I don't know who he's playing, I hope it's not Melvin. Uh, We also have Peter Dinklage, there's no way he can be Melvin. And we've also added Taylor Page, don't ask me who the fuck that is, because I don't know, I assume she's hot, and I know it is a female. So what are we doing here, guys? Are we do we really need a remake of the Toxic Avenger? Do did we need the Toxic Avenger to begin with? I think we did because most of us were in our early teens when we saw that and we watched it strictly for the boobies and the weird sex scenes that took place in a locker room. And by the way, if anybody can track down the VHS tape that I owned of the Toxic Avenger, you'll notice there's a specific scene when the tracking gets all wonky. It's because I rewind and played that scene over and 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 over again. And it's the scene in the locker room. You know what I'm talking about. That notwithstanding, it wasn't that great. So really, what we're banking on here is star power, Macon Blair, Peter Dinklage. Love both those guys, by the way. Phenomenal actors. Especially Peter Dinklage. Really, though... Is there a reason to watch a Toxic Avenger remake? No. Is there a reason to watch the original Toxic Avenger? Nostalgia. That's about it. And uh, you can go ahead and stop right after the first one. Because after the first one, he starts running for mayor. And there's all kinds of Tromaville. He wants to be the mayor of Tromaville. And he's going to clean up the streets of that big fat guy. And uh, Knuckles and Nipples, the weird transvestite crime duo... Uh, it, it gets, it gets very silly, very fast as trauma franchises are wont to do, but there's plenty of nudity. And, uh, if you're over the age of 12 and, or have high speed internet access, you don't really need it anymore. So I say, I'm, I'm going to check out the remake because I'm hot for Peter Dinklage and Macon Blair, 
that being said, I really don't give a shit about the rest of the movie. <laughs> the rest of the movie, because <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Who cares? It the uh, whatever, whatever. You want to check it out? Is that what you want to do? I, I'm going to check it out just because I'm curious and fucking Peter Dinklage. Um, that notwithstanding, I don't really care. That being said, let's move right along. Uh, Morbius, the latest or what should be the latest installment of the Marvel MCU, Disney Plus, uh, withstanding, has a new release date. It's actually been pushed, well, it, it was supposed to be March of last year, but then that got kicked back due to COVID. And then it was undetermined. And now I guess it's being pushed forward to January 28th, 2022. I'm excited for this. Jared Leto as uh, Morbius, the vampire. Now, if they ever make good on that promise that they made of a new Blade installment, minus Wesley Snipes, this could be a nice crossover situation. I like I like it. I like where they're going. This actually could tie into Marvel Knights, which was like Marvel's half-ass adult franchise of comic books. Uh, it included The Punisher, Daredevil, Moon Knight, uh, Blade. Um, it, there was a Morbius tie-in where he kind of in the Night Stalkers. Um, they 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 could do a lot of things with this. I actually think this would probably be better suited to a Netflix, but since Netflix isn't making their Marvel properties anymore. I guess not. So, way to go, Netflix. You fucked us on that one. Or, I guess technically Disney did because they pulled the rights. I don't know. Um, I'm the, I saw the trailers, though. It looks good. And Michael Keaton's in them as the Vulture. So, that could tie into Spider-Man somehow. And then we could bring it full circle into a Marvel MCU Bukaki of characters that might tie into each other or possibly your face and your asshole. I don't know. I don't know. They might all just jizz right on your face. <laughs> I think that uh, shot of Everclear is finally seeping in. All right, that's all I got on the horror news. Let's bang it on over to some listener mail, shall we? Oh, or listener female. If such a thing exists, I, I don't think it does because I have uh, offended all of our female listeners <laughs> by not liking the Ghostbusters remake. Boom! Listener mail. Yeah, buddy, we got a couple of emails here. Let's kick things off in the land of the rising sun, Tokyo, Japan. Here he comes, the man himself, Lonely Bob. Subject line, Mind Hunters. Hey, Darian and Padded Room Gang. Hope Monica is feeling better and recuperating. She is, actually, Kevin. She's she's doing much better. She just hasn't been cleared to travel yet. And since I live about uh, an hour away from her, and she has to actually make the drive herself, usually on Tuesdays. That's why she's not here. But she is feeling better and recovering nicely, from what I understand. Uh, season 1 and 2 of Mindhunters are excellent. I believe the reason why they didn't make a Season 3 was David Fincher, who directed several ep- episodes, had said he wanted to work on Season 3, but he had another project that he was working on, so the schedule didn't work. Great to hear Season 3 is in the works. Very cool. Uh, Kevin at Lonely Bob. Uh, very cool, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I've I watched season one. I'm going to get to season two eventually. Uh, season one focused mainly on the Ed Kemper situation, and that is nasty, my friends. And something that we don't often think about is you know the the profilers and the effect of dealing with this human garbage, and what kind of you know, how do you maintain your own humanity? When all you deal with is like these fucking assholes that want to rape and kill and desecrate bodies and do all kinds of fucked up shit. And you're trying to get inside their heads. What does that do to you as a human being? It's disgusting. And that's something that we get in the Mindhunter series uh, and the burgeoning, at the time, burgeoning um, field of criminal psychology. It's very cool. It's definitely worth a watch. I agree with Kevin. If season three ever happens, I will then watch season two and get fully caught up and roll right into season three, possibly, if my kids allow me to do so in between uh, fucking Miraculous and Dora the Explorer episodes. Uh, Let's get back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, quick note. Evening padded room, just a quick note, as work has been insane. Hope everyone is doing well and someone made it in tonight. If not, I do enjoy the solo shows also. Darian, I'm the same way with plants. Haha. <laughs> everyone that friends what? Everyone that friends gave me died quickly. Oh, every plant that friends gave him died quickly. Uh yeah. Uh I don't know anything about plants there, cowboy. I know you're supposed to water them. Um some plants you are not so I don't know. I don't know anything about plants, man. Uh best wishes for Monica and her recovery. I hope it's going smoothly and no complications. I'm going to have to look into the Oculus Quest. Sounds badass and awesome. Well, I've got some news for you, cowboy. You come come on up to my place. Uh, we do have a rite of initiation that you now must perform before you walk into the door of my house, and that's that you must walk the plank, as we all saw Monica attempt to do, while my son and I make fun of you and videotape you. <laughs> And probably post it to social media, as we are wont to do. Uh, Come on in. We're going to strap this electronics to your head for some public humiliation, cowboy. That's how it's going down. On educate your hard rock zombies. Motherfuck. He's cheating somehow. He's Googling something or he's, uh, yeah, you got me, cowboy. I don't know what you're doing, but you're cheating somehow. Uh, Hard Rock Zombies actually came across this movie when I forgot who did the new version of Zombie by the Cranberries. Funny what you can find randomly on YouTube. (laughs) Ha ha. Didn't get a chance to watch much this last week except The Craft Legacy. Not as good as the original, but it was okay. Back to driving my ass off. Hope everyone has a great week and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Catch you on the flip, cowboy. You got it, cowboy. And you got me on the education, you son of a bitch. He's cheating. That's all there is to it. I am making these as difficult as I possibly can. Digging deep in the annals of horror fandom to come up with these goddamn titles. He got me on Ghost Galleon. He got me on Hard Rock Zombies. Nobody's getting these fucking things except for him. And I know, I don't know what he's doing. I wonder if he, like... Can he see my notebook from the window? Cowboy, are you creeping around in my backyard late at night? I don't know what you're doing. All right, well, that's it on the listener mail, guys. Thank you very much, Cowboy, Lonely Bob, for writing in. Um, I have got a movie to talk to you about. Oh, fucking shit. Let's just get this over with, shall we? 
Whose house is this? It's your grandparents. My dad just died. You sure you want to do this? Let's get over with. Sadie? There's a monster under the bed. Told you not to wander. Look what I found. Piper is afraid of the dark. How did you know what her name was? She told me. Time for bed. But the story's not over. Listen to my last words, beloved, said the mother. Keep the doll with you at all times. You're hungover. I'm sure you're in the right headspace. I am not depressed. Feed her when she's hungry. That is not what I'm saying. Maybe we should get you back on the meds until we find someone you can talk to. Mm -hmm. You have to stay very quiet. We're just going to find you. Let her guide you when you feel lost. Clearly, you're not coping well. Is there anyone you can talk to? Tell her all your secrets. She'll keep them safe. Sadie, what did you do? This isn't real. Piper's not real. Imaginary friends. She's a sensitive kid. You haven't even been acting with yourself lately. The mother's breath rushed out from between her lips. Stay away from me! Stay away from my daughter! And her eyes fell closed. Do you guys remember, uh, probably a week or two ago, I made some reference to horror movies that get made that simply have no soul to them. This is a sterling example of just that. It's called Transference from 2020. I tried to pick recent movies for this Tubi month. Uh, it's from 2020. It's directed by Aditya Patwarda, pa, uh, written by Nicole Cannon. It got 4.6 stars on IMDb. It stars Laura Buglioglia, Seth Michaels, and uh, Tyner Rushing. This is a movie that is not meant to scare you. <laughs> it's. It. I seriously hope it's not, because if it was meant to scare you... I don't I don't know who it was meant to scare. Perhaps um uh, people who are teetering on the brink of alcoholism. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who this was I don't know who would find this movie frightening and or disturbing. Yet for whatever reason I found it in the horror section at Tubi and I tried to pick more recent movies. This was one of the most recent ones I found. It's from last year, 2020. And uh it's 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 uh it's really bad. It's really bad. And I mean, there's nothing directly wrong with it. It's not so bad that it's good. It's so bad that it is completely and totally forgettable, average in every single way that um, it ju- it simply stated, my, my friends, inmates, padded room inmates, it has no soul. There is not one inkling of originality to this. From the very beginning of the movie, you're going to know exactly what's going on. You're going to know where it's going, how it's going to end, and everything that's going to happen in between. And you're going to be 100% accurate in your assessment because you've seen this movie hundreds of thousands of bazillions of times, depending on how many horror movies you've watched. This movie is completely plain. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, there's absolutely nothing right with it at all. 
That being said, let's jump right in to this before I completely forget about it, <laughs> which I would love to do. Uh, it's Transference from 2020. This one is available on Tubi TV, which is a free streaming service. You can download the app to your smartphone. You can install it on your Roku. You can just go to Tubi TV. No, just Tubi, T-U-B-I dot com and watch it there. Um, I'm going to implore you not to because it's it's... It, to me, it's almost bad in that it is so plain and mundane. That makes it all that much more worse. But we'll get into that. So we start off uh, with a very cool montage of a dollhouse being built. So going into this blind, like I did, you're thinking to yourself, oh, cool, we've got a haunted dollhouse. I'm getting creep show kind of vibes, you know? Uh, maybe it's like a you know creepy doll situation. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting into here. From there, we're going to jump directly to a family funeral. Uh, well, not the funeral per se, but the wake that happens after. the, uh, um, I guess the reception that's being held after the funeral. And we are going to get hit right in the fucking face with the main actress, um, Lauren Bogogli, Bogoglia. Uh, she's not a bad actress per se, but she has the strongest, most, the, the, like the tightest resting bitch face I've seen in a very long time. Now, I, she's not unattractive. It's not to say that she's ugly, but like just looking at her in this movie, uh, she looks constantly pissed off, even when her character is supposed to be having a good time. Now, I don't know if that was direction that the, the director gave to her. You know, hey, look angry the whole time. Or if that's just literally her own resting bitch face. But it plays through the camera like the whole time she she is annoyed at being in this movie. Which is convenient because that means her and I have something in common. I'm annoyed at having to sit through it. <laughs> All right. So we're at a funeral. Uh, we're going to meet our family. They just showed, they showed up. They didn't, they missed the funeral. They made it to the reception afterward. And we're going to meet our family here. We have a, a mother, father, two kids. The mother is Lauren Bagoli with the, the resting bitch face. Father is a guy named Malcolm. They've got two kids, one boy, one girl. Uh, Sadie is the girl and uh, Barry is the boy. They're both in the, I don't know, 10, uh, I would say 8 to 12 age range. They're fine. Um, once they get in there, everybody's sad and depressed. We're going to find out that it was actually the mother's father. So let's talk about this family. We have the father is Malcolm. Uh, he's really neither here nor there. And he has like five lines in the whole movie. The mother with the resting bitch face is Camille. Uh, the two kids, Barry and Sadie, they're both there. Uh, they get in there and we find out that it was Camille's father that died and she completely missed the funeral because they, quote-unquote, were stuck in traffic. Okay, your father died, and you missed his funeral because you were stuck in traffic. Do you think if, you, if this funeral meant anything to you, you might have given yourself an extra hour or two to get wherever you had to be, obviously? Not only that, but once she gets into the uh, reception, she's a royal see you next Tuesday to everybody there. Now, we're going to learn more about the extended family that's going on here. Uh, the mo- Well, so 
Camille's mother passed away when she was very young. Her father remarried a lady named Margaret and then had a daughter with her. So the daughter is there. Her name is Jessica. And she is okay. And Margaret's there. And they're all trying to be very nice to Camille. And Camille's being a real bitch to everybody. So that's a bit of a red flag to start with. But we have to remember that Camille is our main character. And that's the person we're supposed to connect with in this movie. It is nigh impossible to do so because she's such a fucking bitch throughout the entire movie. You understand that? So really, as the paranormal stuff ramps up and Camille begins her downward spiral, I'm kind of rooting for the ghost because I don't like her. I don't think anybody that watches this movie is going to like Camille. And I'm not basing that solely on her appearance. The, like, the, the character herself is written, I hope, to be a fucking cunt. And that's exactly what we get throughout the entire movie. So uh, the kids do what exactly the kids are want to do when they go to Grandma's house. Uh, split up and explore the place and try to find shit. And that's what they do. Barry goes wandering around. He finds a bunch of old pictures. Sadie goes up to the attic where she finds the dollhouse that we saw getting made during the opening montage. Inside the dollhouse is a couple of old rag dolls. Uh, She's sniffing around and Camille is, you know, making small talk with Margaret and Jessica and being a bitch. She's being a fucking bitch the whole time. Um, Very quickly, Camille wants to get out of there. So she's like... Uh, we have to go. We have to go. We have to We have to beat the traffic home. They've been there all of 23 minutes. And she's already talking about what time it is and when they have to leave and all that shit. So clearly she has no interest in laying her father to rest. She's not grieving the loss. And she's being a real bitch to her stepmother slash half-sister. All right. Uh, so she goes up to get uh, Sadie out of the attic. And that's where she finds her old dollhouse. We find out that the dollhouse was built by her father, for Camille, and Sadie now has an interest in it, so she's like, oh, mommy, can we take this home? And Camille's like, no, I don't think so. And she's like, oh, come on. And then Margaret comes up, and she's like, if you don't take it home, I'm just going to donate it to Goodwill. So she's like, fine, god damn it. We'll take it home. We'll come back tomorrow and pick it up. But Sadie insists on taking one of the rag dolls with her, a uh, very goth-looking doll, uh, it's like dressed in all black and has its mouth stitched shut uh, with her. So Camille gives in and away we go and we're out of there. Well, very well. Very cool. Um, from there, we're going to get like a snapshot of day-to-day life with this family. Uh, Camille really ramps up the bitchiness from the get-go. Uh, basically complaining about Sadie and how she had to bring the doll home with her uh sadie's like yay we're gonna go get my dollhouse and camille's complaining about how she doesn't want to have to go back to margaret's house okay fair enough we find out that camille is actually a youth counselor (laughs) oh yeah she's a youth counselor this is the lady i want uh talking my kids off the ledge when they're feeling anxious or depressed she looks like a vengeful banshee waiting to scream at some kids about something which ironically enough she does the whole, throughout the rest of the movie uh in dealing with her own children but we're gonna meet her and watch her deal with one of her patients a um depressed looking goth 
young lady by the name of Tina, who's got a bunch of cut marks on her wrists, and she's complaining about how her mom doesn't love her, and uh, her stepdad's kind of a dick, and there may be some diddling going involved, uh, going on there, but uh, we, we don't, we're not going to really get into that too much. But Camille puts on her best uh, resting concerned bitch face. <laughs> And she explains that, you know, this is a safe place, Tina. She's not really giving her any kind of resolution or giving her any suggestions. She just keeps talking herself up. This is a safe place. You can talk to me. I'm a trained professional. And Tina's like, yeah, I'm hurting here, man. I need something. I need what? How can you help me? Well, you know, you got to talk to me. You got you to gotta tell me what's going on. And then Tina shows her like all of her scars going up and down her arm where she's been cutting herself. And then she's like, uh, I got shit to do, and I'm done talking to you, lady, so goodbye. Now, I don't know if that was a flaw in writing, or if the writer of this, Nicole Cannon, was just showing us what an inept, uh, crazy broad Camille is, because that's what I got from this whole scene, because, you know, here's here's Tina, who's legitimately in trouble, and seeking help from her counselor, Camille, and Camille's basically answering with a commercial for herself. You could totally talk to me about this stuff. Okay, great. We've established that. I'm talking to you about it right now. Now, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Uh, just keep, you know, this is a safe place. You know, we've already discussed this, you crazy lady. All right, anyway, uh, Tina leaves. And then from there, uh, Camille has to stay late at the office. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. This, this office that she works at is like, a labyrinth of one waiting room leading into another waiting room leading into a hallway which goes down to another waiting room but anyway she's there till like 10 30 at night and everybody else has left and what the hell is she working on i have no idea but she uh starts getting like a knocking at her office door so she goes out there to see what's going on there's nobody there and then she thinks she sees somebody moving down the hall. So she goes running over there. Uh, there's nobody there. As she's uh, walking around her office in the middle of the night, we see basically Samara from the ring pop up in the background. It's exactly Samara. Long white uh, nightgown dress situation. Black hair combed over her face so you can't see what she's, what's going on with her face. And she just stands there creepily. Now, this would be creepy if I didn't look at that and say, motherfucker, you stole that. You stole that look and that ghost. That is Samara from the ring, and you are ripping that. You're basically plagiarizing at this point, you motherfucker. If you're going to, dude, all right. (laughs) This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say a soulless horror film. All right. You have stolen aspects of other horror properties and cannibalize them for your own movie now i'm not saying it's aditya patwarna's fault the director or nicole cannon the writer i'm saying that somebody uh in the editing room uh producer executive producer producer watched this and saw samara from the ring pop up in their movie and gave it a thumbs up as if we, the horror fans, aren't going to look at that and say, that's fucking Samara. She does not belong in your movie. She belongs in the Ring movies. And what you're doing is plagiarism. Now, if you want to show me a scary ghost, by all means, show it to me. And you know what? You can, you can 
you could be influenced by Samara. Yeah, uh, give her the, the long black hair, you know? Give her, give her something, I don't know, give her fucking claws or like bright red fiery eyes or, uh, I don't know, have her teleport or do something crazy. But it's just Samara. She just stands there in the background. We've seen that before, uh, Aditya Patwarna. We've seen it before, and so have you, because you've obviously seen the ring also. All right, I'm going off on a rant. I apologize. Now, that being said, uh, eventually she gets on the phone with her husband, and she's like, oh, there's somebody in the office. And he's like, yeah, why don't you just come on home there? So she drives home. It's like 1030 at night. As uh, the husband, uh, Malcolm, is putting the kids to bed, uh, she sneaks in at the last minute and gives uh, Barry a kiss, and then she goes in to say goodnight to Sadie, and Sadie's like, Oh, I want my doll. I want Piper. And she's like, whoa, how did you know the name of the doll? She's like, oh, Piper told me. So apparently this doll was Camille's doll when she was a kid. And Camille named her Piper. And now the doll has introduced itself to um, Sadie as Piper. And that's a bit off-putting to uh, Camille. Now, my friends, dear horror fans, horror veterans and alumni... You probably recognize the storyline. You probably know where this is going. And if you've seen this movie, I know you already do. This is another one of these goddamn ghost movies where the ghost is being used as a metaphor for something else. Now, if you're going into this movie blind, you probably you probably know that the metaphor is there. You probably don't know what the metaphor is for. Now, at this point, as I'm watching it uh, yesterday... I've already checked out because this is boring as shit and um, I uh, could give two shits less about these characters. But for the sake of this podcast, I will soldier on and I will endure. Uh, The metaphor is there and yes, there is no ghost. There is just the metaphor. Moving right along, uh, the paranormal, quote unquote, paranormal activity ramps up as uh, Camille's mental state dwindles. Have we seen this this aspect of it before? Yes, we have. It was done much better in 2015 when it was called the Baba Duke, and that was also a metaphor. But we'll play along for a few more minutes. Why not? Okay, so um, she goes back. They go back. Her and Sadie go back to Margaret's house the following day to pick up the dollhouse, which they do. We get more snippy, cunty dialogue from Margaret and uh, Jessica and Camille. Uh, basically, what we find out is that uh, Camille's dad uh, died of cirrhosis. He was a horrible alcoholic. And in his final days, he was begging to see Camille and to talk to her. And she never showed up at his hospital to uh, be with him in his final days. And Camille's reply to that is, well, I was busy. Okay, he's your dad, ma'am. Now... This is all, as I'm watching this, this is all starting to fall into place, okay? Uh, mom died, dad remarried. Weird thing, why is she so pissed off at her dad? We'll get into it. It's it's becoming more and more obvious as the story goes on. But, uh, all right, interesting. Excuse me. From there, Camille goes back to her house and proceeds to get fucking hammered as she, quote-unquote, works on her job. I don't know what exactly that entails. It involves her looking at a laptop computer while she drinks bottle after bottle after bottle of wine and eventually drinks herself into a stupor and passes out on the couch, at which point her husband comes down and puts a blanket over her. 
Now wakes up the next morning. She's hung over as shit. Uh, everybody's running late. Dad is trying to get the kids up, get them ready for school. And Camille is like, oh, I could take them to school. And Dad, Malcolm is like, you're hung over and probably still a little drunk. How about you just don't? And you're depressed. She's like, I'll do it. God damn it. I'll take them to school. Blah, 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 blah. So he's like, all right, all right, fine. If you're going to be a bitch. And this, this, of course, leads to more fighting between her and Malcolm. And this part is particularly dumb. <laughs> this part is really dumb. Now, I don't know if she was taking the kids to school or if she had picked them up after school. But for whatever reason, Camille takes the kids to do some grocery shopping. Okay? And during the course of the grocery shopping, she decides to shoplift a bottle of peppermint schnapps. Why are you shoplifting a bottle of peppermint schnapps? Why are you shoplifting at all? Uh, Malcolm, I think they said, was an attorney. And you are a uh, therapist. You've got money. And a bottle of peppermint schnapps costs all of $12. I think you can fucking afford it, man. Anyway, with the kids in the shopping cart, she slips the bottle of peppermint schnapps into her purse and then walks out and then gets caught by the store manager. A struggle ensues. <laughs> a struggle ensues in which the bottle of peppermint schnapps is pulled from her purse and crashes on the ground and she is summarily arrested and taken to jail. Oh, I wish I could say that I felt bad for her. But throughout the duration of this entire movie, she's been nothing but a bitch, and thus I do not. I feel bad for alcoholics. I feel bad for uh, people that are dealing with grief and um, that are coping with loss of loved ones. But given what we know about Camille at this point in the movie, she hates everybody (laughs) equally and just wants to just fuck off. And that's exactly what she's doing. So really, I, I kind of got a little chuckle out of the shoplifting uh, peppermint schnapps scene. Because, yeah, fuck you, Camille. You, you're, you have not been nice to a single person in this movie. And uh, this is your own doing. So eat a bag of dicks. You can't even blame the ghost for this one. It's just you and your alcoholism and your depression or whatever the fuck your problem is. All right, interesting. Uh, Malcolm shows up, bails her out of jail. Kids are there in the jail waiting room area. Uh, grab them and take them home. And, uh, I don't know. Oh, there you go. Uh, she gets home and marches right upstairs and goes to bed. And Malcolm's like, uh, hey, hey, are we going to talk about this or? Not tonight, Malcolm. I'm grieving the loss of my father. You're grieving now. Okay, this this is where the writing gets pretty shitty because if we're... Sp- Dude, oh God. I'm going to give myself an aneurysm thinking about this. This is formulaic writing. And while I'm not necessarily mad at it, I feel like there's no... There's no soul to it. You know what I mean? We cannot connect with Camille. We can't. Because... She's been such a raging bitch to everybody throughout the entire movie. All right? There's nothing redeemable about her at this point. Her dad died. She couldn't be bothered to go see him at the uh, the hospital. We don't know why yet. Uh, she's done nothing but yell at her, her husband and her kids. 
uh, and her stepmom and her half-sister, despite the fact that they're grieving also, how can we possibly be expected to empathize with her? And now she's going down this weird alcohol uh, spiral. How could we be expected to empathize with her? Really? And on top of that, just the look of this actress and the, the bitch face on her and the weird forehead situation, it is... She is... <laughs> I feel like the director looked at her and said, hey, here's a reasonably attractive young lady. How can I make her uh, less likable? And then they just told her to like intensify her eyes or something or really glare at everybody all the time or something like that. All right, I'm going off on a tangent again. I apologize. Uh, That being said, from there, uh, more tension between Barry and Camille. Uh, the following night, Camille gets has like a weird paranormal visitation where we see the reflection of Piper slash Samara. I'm just going to go ahead and call her Samara because that's exactly who she is. Shows up in the mirrors around the house as, Pi- as uh, Camille's walking around. Uh, the next morning, Sadie, the daughter, draws a little caricature on the wall with uh, some crayons. And Camille sees it and freaks right out and yells and screams at Sadie. And Sadie's like, eh. And Malcolm's like, dude, take it easy. It'll wash off. It's no big deal. Now, you don't get it, Malcolm. She's older than that. She should be past drawing on the walls with crayons. So in what I think was supposed to be some kind of a punitive action, uh, Camille takes the doll, Piper, and puts her on the barbecue. And I think was attempting to burn the doll. Now, a couple of things. Apparently, this was a propane barbecue. <laughs> barbecue, So it didn't really burn the doll all that much. All it did was heat the doll up and uh, blacken it in certain areas. Now, I get that. That's fine. Uh, but then, after that, as if to really not give a shit one way or the other, she doesn't throw the doll, the, the remnants of the doll, which, by the way, is completely intact, uh, doesn't throw it away. She just leaves it on the barbecue for the next guy to find. Uh, to somewhat remedy the situation, Camille's like, oh, I've got to make things right with Sadie. So she goes and gets her a different doll and then never tells her what happened to Piper. So Sadie's running around going, where's Piper? Where's Piper? And Camille's like, oh, here's another doll. Uh, take this one. It's a brand new doll. And then Malcolm goes out there to grill himself up a burger and finds Piper somewhat blackened on the barbecue. And he's like, oh, shit, somebody was going to make a ragdoll burger or something it's very very weird take that <laughs> stupid that's bad writing man come on what are you trying to what are you are you trying to make me hungry for uh barbecue <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what you're doing uh it's stupid uh he's like oh that's interesting uh here's your burnt ass doll <clears throat> uh and it's uh, pretty dumb. Uh, from there, uh, what's her name? Uh, Camille has to work late again. She has like another paranormal visitation situation. Uh, Malcolm is calling her. Hey, where the hell are you? What's going on with you? She gets a late night call and finds out that her one patient, Tina, has committed suicide. Okay? That fucking sucks. So she goes to the crime scene. And apparently because she's a therapist... She has some kind of credentials to where she can just walk right into an active crime scene. And she's like, yep, that's Tina. And oh shit, she killed herself. And then she goes into this complete downward spiral where she hops in the car, immediately pounds like a fifth of uh, whiskey, I think, is some kind of booze. 
and then drives to a bar and uh, finds the homeliest looking dude with dreadlocks there. And she's like, hey, you got a cigarette? And he's like, what are you doing? You want a cigarette? And she's like, yeah, come out to the car with me. So her and this dreadlock guy go out to the parking lot where they make out for five seconds. And then she like shoves him away and she's like, I don't want this. And then she gets it back in the car and goes tearing down the road. Hammered, mind you. Excellent. Well done, Camille. You're setting a wonderful example for your daughters. Daughter. Uh, She gets back to the house. Now she is completely in the bag, right? And she's like on firing on all cylinders. So when she gets out of the car, she sees, quote unquote, Piper slash Samara looking down at her from one of the windows. So she's just like, get out of here, Piper! Ah! And goes running upstairs. Malcolm's like, "Uh, dude, you are drunk. And I don't know what your fucking problem is, but you need to get out of here. She goes running upstairs, goes tearing through Sadie's room, trying to finds the burnt ass doll, and she's like, Piper, you get out of here, you fucking bitch. Ah! And Malcolm's like, dude, dude, get your ass to bed. You're fucking hammered, and you're making an asshole out of yourself in front of our kids. Get to bed. I will go smooth this over. So she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Goes and passes out for the night. The next morning, she wakes up, hung over again. Malcolm's like, hey, man, uh, you are fucking fucked. And you're being a royal see you next Tuesday to the whole family. So we are going to peace right the fuck out of here. I'm taking the kids and staying at my mom's house for a while. You figure your life out. Give me a call when you're ready for us to come back. Loads up the kids, takes off. Uh, uh, what the fucking Camille stays there and she's like in this depressive state all of a sudden so oh god and now Piper slash Samara not the doll but the actual ghost girl shows up and she's like and she's like what are you doing you leave my daughter alone and then this is where we get the big reveal that we didn't really need because we already figured it out that her dad was touching her uh, Camille as a young girl and she had like uh, basically dissociative identity disorder she created Piper to deal with the pain and uh, the you know the emotional stuff that comes with that and thus somehow she has transferred that to her daughter Sadie and uh, like jump started her own alcoholism in the process all right so now uh, Camille is going to have a serious sit down with Samara slash Piper. And she's like, I know you've been hurting and we're going to figure this out cause, because we're not going to be victims anymore. So this is particularly dumb. And if you had hopes for any kind of a horror movie, you can wad those up and throw them right out the fucking window. Because this is where Camille takes Ghost Girl, Samara slash Piper, by the hand, out to her Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee, seat belts her into the fucking passenger seat, and drives her over to Margaret's house, the whole time holding her hand. Okay? All right? Now, I wasn't scared of this Ghost Girl to begin with. I don't think anybody watching this movie was. But if I was... This is where I officially beat off and call it, call it good on this being any kind of a horror movie. From there, she takes uh, Samara by the hand, walks her into Margaret's house, and she's like, You knew what was going on the whole time and you didn't do anything. <sighs> and Margaret's like, Hey man, um, 
by the time I found out or realized it, it was way too late. And if I had said anything, CPS would have been called and you would have been put in foster care, which I assure you would have been far worse than what was going on here. I'm a Margaret said she was a product of the foster care system also, and it's terrible and you don't want it. And then Camille's like, I'm not a victim anymore. And this is where Samara pops out from behind her and she says, I'm not a scared little girl. Nobody can see Samara except for Camille. And then for some reason, Samara coughs up a piece of broken glass. What? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But nobody acknowledges it or says anything about it. They're just like, oh, yeah, all right. Uh, This is where things get even dumber. From here, uh, Camille drives Samara to her office, her youth counselor office, where they have a serious sit-down and talk about their feelings. And the more they talk, the less Samara looks like Samara and the more she becomes like an average teenage girl wearing a 1920-style nightgown, full-body nightgown. And I I don't know. I don't know what to do. Okay, and then from there, like, her husband walks in halfway through this, and he's like, hey, who are you talking to? And she's like, I'm talking to Piper. She's right here. Can you see her? And her husband's like, not particular. No, you look like you're talking to the couch. And she's like, oh, my God. He's like, you know what? You do you, babe. I'm going to go wait in the car. And she's like, oh, i got to talk this out. So then she talks her into being like a regular girl. And then she takes her back in the car to her father's grave where they both yell at the gravestone for a few minutes. And then that's pretty much the end of your movie. And then from there, we get a sexual abuse hotline uh, number that pops up. So this whole thing basically boiled down to one PSA. This is not a good movie. It's not. It's not a horror movie. It's more of a um, public service announcement. But the message is so convoluted and wrapped up in all this other horse shit. And the fact that Camille is such an unlikable character that you're not going to... I'm going to tell you right now, inmates, you're not going to make it to the end of this movie. At some point, you're going to shake your head, close your eyes, and find something else to watch. Uh, I don't have anything really to... plain about there's nothing overtly bad about this movie i wouldn't call this a horror film i wouldn't call it um a suspense thriller i wouldn't call i would call it more of a family drama than anything else uh i i I don't know where else to put it my notes here say that this movie is rated tv 14 which means that because it wasn't given an R or a PG rating, it was probably made for TV, although I don't know what fucking channel you'd put this on. Uh, Possibly a Hallmark or a uh, uh, Lifetime, maybe. Maybe like a Lifetime Halloween special kind of a gig. It's not scary. There's nothing scary about this. There's nothing suspenseful about it. Uh, Once you see the ghost, you're going to be horribly disappointed because you're going to think, That's a very shitty version of Samara you've got there. And uh, why couldn't you come up with anything besides that? If you're going to, if you want like a younger uh, version of Camille in some kind of a ghosty kind of a form, okay, show her to me. Give her some, some, like a zombie makeup, you know? Make her look like a rotting, that's the the corpse of your childhood that was ruined by your uh, 
diddler father. I get that. That would make sense. You know, have worms coming out of her or something. All we get is the nightgown and the hair combed over the face. And uh, that's about it. That's about it. That's all you get. This is a bad movie. It's, I, I mean, I hesitate to call it a bad movie because theoretically there's nothing wrong with it other than it's boring as shit. It's not scary. There's really nothing scary about it uh, at all. Um, the, like the, the ghost action is next to non-existent. And whenever something happens, you'll notice that uh, Camille has at least a glass of wine or two in her. So it's quite possible that she's just drunk and making all this shit up in her head. And you don't really care to begin with because she's not likable at all. So fuck off, Camille. Go get hammered. Enjoy yourself. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Clearly you're not happy being a uh, child therapist slash uh, mother of two. So go uh, be a bar fly. Rock and roll, babe. All right, that's all I got on transference. If I have piqued your curiosity, I, I seriously hope I haven't. But if I have, uh, it's streaming now on 2 TV, absolutely free. Just go to 2B.com, T-U-B-I.com, or you can install it on your Roku or your smart devices, uh, absolutely free of charge. Check it out there if you feel that you must. Again, I'm going to implore you not to because you can easily find better ways to kill an hour and 21 minutes of your time. All right, I'm going to take myself a break, and I'll come back with some other stuff. All right?
Hey, inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. I think that the biggest problem I have all the way around with transference is the fucking ghost metaphor thing. There was a time when you could watch a ghost movie and look at the ghost and say, oh shit, it's a dead guy. Hey ghost, how'd you die? What, what are you haunting this house? Is that what you're doing? Now it's all gotta be about some other bullshit and the ghost has to be past trauma or sexual repression or chemical dependency or grief or some other horse shit. Remember when ghosts were ghosts? They were scary. Oh shit, it's a dead guy. Look at what's he doing in my hallway. I don't know. Let's get the fuck out of here. Now it's like, oh, I'm so sad about the ghost. What about me? Oh, fuck yourself. You're not trying to make a scary movie. You're just trying to confuse people, you motherfuckers. Knock it off. All right. (laughs) That being said, wait till you see what I have for you next week. Here on Tubi Month in the Padded Room podcast. I picked all four of these movies, with with the exception of the last one. I picked the rest of them uh, sight unseen and have no idea what I'm getting into or dragging my would-be co-hosts into either. So there's that. That being said, my friends, let me tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment I like to call What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? Boom! How about Class of 1984 from 1982? Remember this little gem? Joe Bob did the full commentary on it this week on the Shutter Show. It is uh, fascinating. You've got, uh, what, a 19-year-old Michael J. Fox with a tight bowl haircut. That would probably stop a bullet, now that I think about it. That thing was rock solid. Uh, it's, it's, the, yeah, it's supposed to be like the precursor to Class of 1999, which was more of a sci-fi horror film. This one was more of a social commentary about like the, the downfall of the youth of America and things like that. It's fine. It's, it is what it is. It's silly watching it now. You know, kids are beating each other with pipes and bats and stuff. And you're like, oh, isn't that precious? Pipes and bats. Look at them. They're so cute. These days, are you using fucking flamethrowers and improvised explosives? (laughs) Good times. Uh, I watched that. I watched another movie on Tubi called Brew House. Okay. Now... If you've seen this one, or if you thought about seeing this one, you're going to look at it and you're going to think to yourself, oh God, another fucking found footage, ghost, horse shit, made dirt cheap with a bunch of crap actors. And for the most part, you're exactly right. But this one does something that's very cool. And I would recommend this one for you guys to go out and check out. Uh, What they did, and this is something that hasn't necessarily been done in the found footage subgenre yet. They said up front, you know, here's a, I mean, it's standard found footage ghost stuff. A uh, group of urban explorers is going into an abandoned brewery 
and they're going to go see what they can find in there. And they have like a YouTube channel and they're going to do it for their web show and all that shit. And of course they were never seen or heard from again. And the, the uh, recording equipment was found later, but, and this is where it gets kind of interesting. The recording equipment was so damaged that the audio doesn't quite sync up to the video. All right. Now, this is kind of original, and actually, I think it actually works out pretty good, because what you've got is like a, um, kind of like a weird, glitchy way of building suspense, which I think worked out really nicely for this one. So, what happens is, do, because of all the, the audio-visual distortion, the, the video gets to be about five to ten minutes ahead of the audio. So you'll be look, watching this on your TV and you'll see the, the, the guys like walking through the brewery and they're like smiling and high-fiving each other and oh, you know, holding up like a dirty magazine that they found and flipping through it. Oh, oh yeah, it's fun. But the audio is them freaking out and panicking and like running up and down stairs and oh my God, where's Jeff? Oh fuck, where's Jeff? I don't know. It's, it's like a cool way of building suspense because you can hear that there is something coming. And there's something nasty coming down the way. But what you're looking at is this jovial group of kids marching uh, down a staircase. And they're like, you know, playing grab ass as they go. And I thought that was kind of original and kind of a, a new way to go about this. Because something that, that's never really touched on in the found footage is the damage that's done to the recording equipment. You know, by the time we get this quote unquote found footage, it's all been edited and doctored and like you know, uh, refined and everything else. So we all we're looking at is like the best possible end product. What if we don't want the best possible end product? What if we just went off of what you found and what you found was all jacked up? And that is, that, that's kind of an original move that they did. And I really enjoyed this one for that aspect. Everything else about it is, you know, the usual found footage, guys walking down a creepy hallway kind of a thing. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I watched that, and lastly, I watched a movie called Do Not Play from 2019, uh, or as it's originally titled, titled Amgeon, which I believe is Korean for warning. So this is a, um, it's on Shutter. if you guys want to check it out, uh, just look for Do Not Play. Uh, it's basically a long story version of cigarette burns the old masters of horror uh episode yet yet you have like a cursed movie that's out there floating around and you have a uh, screenwriter slash director who is completely out of ideas and desperate to find something to submit to a film festival so she's running around trying to track down uh anything she can find about this cursed movie to try to basically pillage it for ideas or possibly plagiarize it, turn it in as her own work. I don't know what her plan is. But that leads her to a university where the, the film was made as a student project. And that takes her to a abandoned theater where it was screened. And the, 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 the concept behind it is that the movie itself, the cursed movie, was actually made by a ghost. Interesting, sure. Uh, the original director of it went in to film this movie in this abandoned theater, which burned down and was supposedly haunted by an actress who was there when it burned down and somehow cut a deal with the, the ghost actress. 
And he said, I want to make the scariest movie ever. And she said, all right, give me the fucking camera and get out of here. And then he went back the next day and found the camera. And what was on it was the uh, cursed film. He showed it at his student film festival. And uh, a bunch of weird shit happened. And they had to pull it. And now this new director is out trying to track it down. And it leads her to like some seedy places. And she's got to track down the original director. He's a crazy bitch now. And it's it's basically the same thing as cigarette burns just in long form it's not bad it's uh korean it's subtitled you got to read the whole goddamn thing uh it's uh it's got some pretty some pretty creepy moments i'll give it that um you know like with the the shadows and things they do when they when they actually get the footage of the previous director talking talking to the ghost that's kind of creepy uh it's what i would say i would say it's worth a watch if you got some time on your hands and you can focus on the movie and read the subtitles, it's definitely worth checking out, I'd say. That's all I'm looking at, inmates. How about a little immersion therapy? Immersion therapy. The Boys from County Hell. Fun little Irish horror movie. It's like a vampire apocalypse in a small Irish village kind of a thing going on. Uh, more of a horror comedy. I'll give it that. It's fun how they kind of dicked around with the Dracula mythos a little bit. Not a lot, not, not a lot of it made sense, but it's fine. You just got to roll with it. Um, it's, it's a good show. It's streaming on Shutter right now if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, pretty heavy dose of Irish humor, so there's a lot of drinking at the pub and being Irish loser hooligans, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, and just ha- having like the the listless 25 year old that doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, who's in love with the bartender but doesn't have the nerve to tell her. But then she's going to take off, and so is his best friend, and he's going to be stuck at the village. It's all well and good. It's fine. It's worth checking out. Uh, horror comedy. Uh, probably not as good as like a Shaun of the Dead or a, um, I don't know, other horror comedies that are pretty good, but I got a couple chuckles out of it. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be 12 hour shift. This one is streaming on Hulu. It stars Angela Bettis, Chloe Farnworth, and the Mick Foley. Check that shit out inmates. We will do the same and compare notes next week. In the meantime, this is normally where we would educate Miss Monica. Miss Monica is clearly not here, so I will just have to, you'll just have to educate me again. How about that? Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. Our goddamn tour van broke down in the small-ass town. We were on our way to a gig. Uh, We were just going to play the gig here at the small town, but we got killed. And then we came back to play the gig anyway and ran into fucking Adolf Hitler and his pet werewolf. The movie, of course, is Hard Rock Zombies. Uh, Congratulations, cowboy, on Googling that shit, you son of a bitch. Uh... 
That's a good, it's a good show. That was one of my go-to movie rentals when I was a kid. It was Hard Rock Zombies, uh, Class of Newcomb High, Surf Nazis Must Die, or um, Pieces. I rented Pieces a lot for reasons. <laughs> Anybody who's seen Pieces knows uh, what those reasons are. Uh, I've seen the shit out of Hard Rock Zombies. It's hard to find these days, though. I was hoping to dig up a Blu-ray copy somewhere, but it's uh, it's not easy to find, and I don't think it's ever made it to Blu-ray. You might there might be a DVD copy running around somewhere. I haven't found it yet. Uh, who might I be this week? You ask. Well, staying in the vein of Hard Rock horror, I made a deal with the devil to be the best goddamn. Uh, metal guitar player ever and in doing so not only did i become the best goddamn gar- guitar player ever i also became a right piece of shit and uh started treating everybody around me like a right dick bag uh it's okay though my porn star girlfriend is here and she's gonna try to keep me grounded during all this uh she was my girlfriend sort of before i became the best guitar player ever she remembers me when i was a complete doofus so uh, th- there's that. Unfortunately, I do have to eat some groupies from time to time to keep this, uh, pact with the devil going and maintain my guitar metal status. Who might I be? I will fill you in next week, inmates. Uh, other than that, I think that's about going to do it for me. Apologies again for the short show. Uh, that what, th- this was a really bad movie and I can only complain about it so long before I start getting depressed. So, sorry about that. Uh, join me next week for Paranormal Attraction, which I don't think can be any worse than Transference. I could be wrong. I've never seen it. We'll find out, and I'll break the whole goddamn thing down for you again next week. Uh, we do have a Patreon campaign running, if anybody gives a shit. It's... Uh, just go to paddedroompodcast.com. You'll find the link there. You could take control of the month of June. You could pick all of our movies for June. $5 donation, that's yours. Plus, I'm going to send you a t-shirt and a uh, coffee mug if you're interested. Um, like, comment, subscribe. Also, if you have time, that helps our visibility quite a bit. In the meantime, for Miss Monica and Absentia, Buddy and Absentia, Hard Rock Zombies, Hard Rock Guitar Players that Make Deals with the Devil, fucking ghosts that aren't even ghosts and don't make a lick of sense being in anybody's haunted house movie uh, at all, which isn't even really a haunted house movie. It's more of a fucking PSA. Lifetime movies, which is where this movie probably should have been. Resting Bitch Faces and the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over.